0: Hey there, and welcome to Radio Meteor, the podcast where I watch an episode of 90s anime Gundam Wing and ramble about it because I just have so many emotions about space. This week, it's episode 7, Scenario for Bloodshed. No scenario. Welcome to Orbit. Okay, episode 7. I'm just going to go out and say this episode is kind of boring. There's a few great big takeaways, uh, namely that they accidentally kill off all of the pacifists. Smooth move. But other than that, there's a lot in here that's just quite forgettable as well. I suppose it fits into that point in the storyline where it is absolutely necessary that you have a lot more stuff introduced that has to be explained and then justified in order to set up the literally the next chapter and that's what they refer to as um, this whole situation this whole scenario but in doing that it does take away some of the immediacy it it does have this information overload let's go back to the old format and start off with a discussion of the language and i'm going to do this by character this week so we're going to start off with Katra. Um, he has a conversation where he's on the telephone and this is a nice example of his character because he's off on a super-secret mission to attack the New Edwards base where he believes all of the Oz leaders are being gathered. And he decides he's going to book a hotel. I assume it's at least a three-star. It sounds like a nice hotel. It's called the Starley Hotel in San Francisco. But he rings them up and he says something which is translated in the English subtitles as... I'm traveling by myself, is that a problem? If you put on your hotelier's hat, you might be thinking, well, why is that a problem? Because if you're a hotel, you get a lot of single travelers coming through. And the reason it sounds strange is because that's not what he says in the Japanese. In the Japanese, he says, Kodomo, hitori. Kodomo, child, and then Hitori, alone, or unaccompanied. So what he's effectively saying here is, I am an unaccompanied minor, is that a problem? suddenly makes more sense in a hotel context maybe they don't have a policy to allow under 18s to book rooms and I suppose this maybe highlights the fact that I could be over-egging this whole theme but at the same time this is the first instance of one of the pilots referring to themselves as a child on any level so they've been referred to as children or shonen by other people and they have never refuted that but neither have they claimed it for their own either. So this is the first in-character, in-episode acknowledgement that, yeah, I am not an adult. Katja does quite a bit of talking this episode, which means we finally get a bit of insight into his speech patterns. We've already discussed that he uses the pronoun boku, which is that politer, more boyish pronoun, and that he is relatively polite in general. Uh, So just like I said, with Relina, she says, Hanashite kudasai. She says, let go of me, please. Um, he does the same thing in the heat of battles. He's Mr. Manners in a crisis. So when Juo and Troa are fighting at the end, uh, he doesn't use his strength to intervene, but he says, mate kudasai. Like, mate means wait, and then kudasai it's please. It's very ingrained for him to, to speak in this manner. Having said that, when you compare... Katra to the other pilots he is more polished he's more polite but that he's no less direct and I think that's key and I think that really gets missed in the English the scale of how direct something can be is very different to how we speak in English and how we register that in English so rather than I'm trying to think of a good way to clarify this so Temporarily, I'm going to jump over and talk about Troa and Hero because they speak very directly but with this manner that they just simply don't have time to deal with pleasantries. They've got things to do, they're on a mission, small talk has gone out the window. They're both users of the pronoun ore, which we discussed is that one that demonstrates a little bit of arrogance. You've got a good opinion of yourself, it's very masculine, and they both use endings on their verbs, which are what's called the dictionary form, which is the most basic form of the verb. So in the conversation that Kacha has with Troa, Troa says, OREWA HITORI DE YARU. So, OREWA, I am, but that masculine form. HITORI DE, alone, YARU. We'll do this. I'm doing this alone, is the translation, which is a good translation. Kacha responds with BOKU MO so SA, which automatically, even in the tone It sounds so much lighter and friendlier and much more polite Make no mistake, this is still very direct So that boku is that boyish I, mo, also So is used a lot in sentences akin to the word ditto So it's whatever the person said before That action is what I'm referring to But I'm not going to repeat it verbatim Uh, And then that sa ending is where it gets really interesting. Sa is similar to the ending on um, Japanese sentences yo, which means a statement of fact or a statement you're very confident in or a, a, a method of slightly correcting people. That's how you use yo. So if someone said to me, oh, it's sunny today, and I'd be like, ameyo. No, it's raining. Ame, rain, yo, duh. Sa is used to soften things that would otherwise sound irresponsible that's one way you can use it it is also used as like statement of fact um, it's a little bit more casual and it's also one that although it is nominally gender neutral and and it is used by all genders there is a sort of stereotype that middle aged old men use sa uh, a lot so it does have this sort of masculine sort of connotation to it so I feel like that's really telling about Catcher. he has directness but he's also got the social nous to put some polish on what he says he is no less direct but he does it in a way that's got a bit more panache let's compare that to again Tro and Hero. they just tend to be direct for the sake of efficiency of communication like got something to say gotta say it There, I've said it Compare that to Wu Wufei we can assume... Well, at this point, we don't know much about Wufei, but going meta for the moment, we do know that he has come from a relatively privileged position within his own clan. He is one of the movers and shakers of his people. He is educated. He has presumably been taught some manners as well. But he does not use them. Wufei is just rude. And it is a deliberate choice because we can assume that perhaps unlike Troa and Hiro, who lack social graces because of lack of experience, he knows damn well what he's doing. Like I said in the in episode four, he is portrayed so unsympathetically, he's almost impossible to like. And he, he wades in at the end and he addresses everybody using Kisama. Now, I've been talking about this hierarchy of ways you address people. Aitsu and koitsu are sort of third-person ways to talk about somebody. Um, Anata is hardly ever used. That is the pure pronoun for you, but you don't tend to use it. It can be overfamiliar. It can sound a bit daft <laughs> because it's something that middle-aged women used to talk about their Japanese husbands, and 90% of people don't have that. It's kind of old-fashioned. Omae, you can brosy that up. Then you've got teme, which is rude. But the one that you absolutely cannot make friendly or jokey is Kisama. And that's what he wades in with. And it's almost too much. If you use Kisama in real life, you are likely, if you use Teme even in real life, you are likely to be laughed at for having read too much manga uh, and like fighting manga in particular. Um... (laughs) Wufei falls very much into the category of like that anime guy who uses all of the stereotypical rough language um, to sound like he's a super tough guy. But if we made this a little bit more meta, and it's it's almost laughable the kind of disparity between how Wufei talks; he's come straight out to some like high school delinquent anime, and the others are all sort of fairly straightforward, <laughs> which on which I do kind of enjoy. But also it just continues to to underline how Wufei is just this some character you're not supposed to like. And that's bizarre because he is one of the main five. He is a protagonist. He is supposed to be one of the good guys, but he is the butt monkey. Maybe that's the point. He is supposed to be the one that you're like, oh God, that guy. But he's just sort of amusing to watch. I can't decide. Yeah, I really just can't decide. Juo is the most difficult one for me to actually listen to and understand what he's saying. He speaks very fast, but he also plays with language in a much more fun way. He is much more fun to listen to. So Tro and Hiro are very direct and to the point and they use the words that suit the context. Juo messes around a little bit. So when he sneaks onto Hiro's aircraft carrier, um, casually hitching a lift, and Hiro runs down to the hold and finds him popping out of the death sites. Juo just kind of greets him by saying omae hayaku sumekomu yo which is uh, omae is that way to address somebody that you're relatively familiar with and that's how I think Juo is using it here he has very much adopted Hiro into his gang and then hayaku sumekomu hayaku is hurry up and then sumekomu they translated in the English subtitles as to load and then that your ending is the alternative to sa which we've just discussed but that sumekomu verb um it's it's not the one you would typically use for putting a machine onto a aircraft carrier it means to stuff or to cram you would sumekomu if you were packing a suitcase and then you have to sit on the lid to close it so what he's effectively saying is hey bud shove yours in as well it's nice it's nice it's very much his personality I enjoyed that for no reason other than it's just so 100% Joe's own good self we have one weird and interesting little sentence with Zex where he addresses himself in the third person Uh, so this is where he's about to land in Nairobi and he is having an introspective moment and saying if the alliance falls and oz takes over what really changes and then he asks himself dewa naze tatakanda zex i have to do the voice when he says zex it's very much like zex uh, that dewa is in that case naze why tatakanda are we fighting dewa naze tatakanda zex but the zex that he says is separate to the question it's almost like an afterthought so we get this hint that zex like lady un has this has a split between his identities very similar to perhaps what relina is also going through with her dalian peacecraft identities only his is much further down the line much more established and he's obviously in a he's also in a position with much higher stakes he can't afford to be found out as miliado peacecraft at this point even though it seems to be pretty much public knowledge. And he has adopted this Zex personality as a means to an end that he has sort of lost. He's sort of lost his objective. So quite why he's addressing himself in the third person here is unclear. Is it that he's addressing Zex Marquis? Why are you fighting? Or is Zex Marquis the answer? So what are we fighting for? And then he's reminding himself, oh, I'm doing this because I'm pretending to be this other person and that's really the first big step we have in his character arc uh, or the first time that there even will be one beyond him getting a big robot and fighting for trays yeah and then the very last language thing will tie into what i'm going to talk about in terms of what we've learnt about the world so we'll do that in a moment this episode everybody groups up in two different teams. They go to New Edward's base and they accidentally kill Noventa, Vente and the other Alliance pacifists. It's that episode and it takes them 20 minutes to set up and do. I'm just going to go out and say it, it's kind of boring. This episode we get introduced a number of new players and just like Mrs. Darlian, drink them in because they're going to be gone in the next 10 minutes, we get a really confused picture of who is in charge and who is doing what. So we've got Field Marshal Noventa, who is the chief commander. So we can assume he is possibly the absolute head honcho of all of the armed forces and the alliance with a capital A. He is like the president of this organisation. Um, and everything filters down from him. Which makes you wonder why it's in such a poor state. We are introduced to General Septon, who is the a leader of the Alliance Space Forces, and we are introduced to General Vente, who is the leader of the Alliance's Terrestrial Forces, and a bunch of other people who are not important enough to be given names. They just get to be killed. And then somewhere in this weird mix, we have the specials, and then they keep talking about Oz as if Oz and the specials are completely different. And perhaps they are, or perhaps they're not, because Trey's is involved with Oz. And this is where I get really confused as to what the actual Venn diagram looks like. Where is that overlap? It's, it, oh, it's so muddled. This is the bit where it's sort of, the whole show falls apart because it's so quickly slapped together. There's no real explanation of what the hell is happening. It's, it's overly complicated. And then you've got Trey's playing both ends against the middle. Mr. Seven-legged bug. But let's start with what we do know. The alliance was founded to deter militarism but inadvertently somehow became a military power of its own right. So it has been putting money and everything else into weapons development and building armies and bases Um, and somehow its objectives have changed from what it was originally designed to do. Now part of that might be because you've got people like Bonaparte who was blown up in his blimp in a previous episode who were using the alliance as a structure to garner power and basically just squat like a parasite on top of everything and lead the good life with relative ease. So we've got an alliance that has ideals it's become too bloated and people are using it to their own advantage. Then you have the pacifists the general who are looking to take the Alliance back onto its old track to try and demilitarise and make it more of a, a United Nations type setup, I assume, where it's much more about discussions between Earth and the colonies, discussions between nations on Earth as well. So we still have separate borders on Earth, different levels of governance under the Alliance. Then we have the Specials, led by Colonel Trace with Lieutenant Colonel Un, and they are the spigot into all of the money of Romafella, and all of the highest tech military wear. So all of the mobile suit tech comes through the specials with the allowance that they will be able to drop in and kind of do what they want in terms of warfare. And then there's Oz, and Oz is really poorly defined. Jay has already pegged them as the enemy. We know that Treys is involved with them but who they are and how they fit into this is, is unclear. Tres spreads rumours that the Oz leaders are gathering at New Edward's base rather than alliance pacifists or this more general conference but it's not clear what he actually claimed. Was he claiming that Noventa and all that were Oz or is Oz well known? Where has it come from? So, so in I'm gonna say frozen teardrop as much as we dislike it mentions that odin Lowe worked for the colony autonomy organization which later became odds if i have that right if i don't have that right please correct me because i'm had it in my head that that was the case even then that seemed very circular so you've got a pacifist movement that became militarized and then you had an autonomy organization that then became anti-colony what the fuck is going on on this planet it's just so messed up and then trace messes it all up even more so they're having this conference and Noventa has the room he has support he's saying let's demilitarise we know there's a threat from the colonies but this is actually perhaps a very good opportunity for us to sort of speak to them and say hold on we desire peace let's let's open communications Let's let's dial this back we don't have to actually raise it to a level of war because it's not war yet critically and he has the support of the room. They they are willing to do this. And he is right, because the Gundams are not supported 100% by the colonies. There are people in the colonies who are willing to sit down and have this conversation. And Treyes says, it's all going in the wrong direction if it goes that way. Why? Why? Beyond causing a war, I don't understand what possible motivation he has other than He's like the Joker in Batman and just wants to see shit burn. <laughs> That's all I can think of. He has no motive other than just being a seven-legged bug. Uh, and he gets his way because he has staged an Oz coup. I assume he's been needing it and uh, basically ruins everything and tricks the Gundam pilots into assassinating all of the pacifists, creating a power void which then he can step into. On that note, this episode, and particularly the blowing up of the pacifists, is generally accepted as Hero's big mistake. Hero certainly takes it all on himself, and he was the guy who pulled the trigger, and it's also kind of picked up a little bit like that in fandom, but but I'm not sure that's really fair. He wasn't the only person who got this mission spec. Duo got it as well, so did Tro and Catra. They all followed on as well. His... Machine is the only one that's capable of quick flight, which gives him this massive advantage. But if anybody else had been in Wing Gundam, as either than Hero, I think they would have done exactly the same thing. um And it's only Wu who has a different perspective on it. Um, we're not quite sure where that comes from. Whether Teacher O got different information, or he figured out that it was rumor and tipped Wu off, but then didn't tell anybody else, is one scenario, which is pretty fucking dodgy. Like way to shoot yourself in the foot oh if that's what's happened or wufe is the only one who has been suspicious and cynical enough to sit back and question everything that he's getting and it would kind of make sense to do that because they all received this mission they all jumped straight into just following it despite the fact that they are on earth and much closer and this information has been sort of recycled through space and through obviously spy networks they none of them thought you know what i might Go down to the New Edwards base and do a bit of hacking. Just double check who's turning up. They're all quite capable of this. None of them did it. Except perhaps with a. Even though he is a butt and he is the butt monkey. He, um, he gets it right. And he also sneaks up on everybody. Um, You know, for shame, Dewar. You're supposed to be the sneaky one. Should have seen him coming. I'm just willing to blame Trace for this. I think it's all Trays's fault. That's my two cents on this. Give Hero a break. Oh, here's something I forgot to mention. Duo immediately, or instinctively, IDs Heavy Arms as an ally. Troa and Katra open fire because they don't know what the hell they're looking at. And Duo uses the word Mikata, so he's like, even though we're on the same side, then he questions it. Well, who are these guys? And Hero's like, I don't know, they could be new Oz models or something. But I do find that really interesting. It's probably just a glitch of the script, but I did love that Duo immediately spotted Gundam and was like, a friend. I'm also gonna give Septum a bit of a nod here. He is a gross idiot, but he does raise some valid points in the conference uh, when he questions, wh- if we demilitarize, what about the attacks that we've been undergoing recently from these Gundams? Because at this stage, they don't know for a fact who the Gundams are or what they want, other than completely random destruction of Alliance stuff. Um, because nobody has issued a statement you know hero or such has not got onto youtube and put out a message even if it's really basic like alliance are bad we want you dead and then trey's quite cannily he doesn't lie he says we think the colonies made them true for purely destructive purposes i mean also true they are weapons i mean it's very hard to think of a reason why these things would have been invented if it wasn't just for destruction they weren't exactly designed for ballet were they so you know I'm gonna give Septim a bit of a bit of a boost here. He's a gross idiot. He gets poorly used. And he gets killed. Overkilled. He, the man's already dead falling out of a plane and you didn't have to shoot him through the head. But he's not as bad as he was. He did have a horrible voice actor, I recall, in the English version, so but in Japanese he doesn't sound too bad. He just looks fugly. There we go. That is that is something I never thought I'd be doing, is standing for Septum. That's also a sentence I never ever want to repeat in my life, my god. Lastly on this whole splintering thing where we have Zex makes his first big step onto his character arc, where he is addressing himself by name, is that he offers Noin an out. So, so far he's been kind of detached and cold from Noin, he's he's ignored all her advances, he kind of cares about her general well-being, but he's not buddy-buddy. However, he is very uneasy about dragging her into this coup. And in, they're in the plane, they're en route. And he warns her, it's like, you might not like where this is going. And I think underneath that, he's saying, you might well think different of me after this happens. And Noin sticks with it. In fact, she's even told not to overdo it. I mean, she's mad. She's kind of out for revenge for her her recruits. And in the absence of Wu Fei, she's willing to take it out on whoever it is she's told to fight and it's only in the heat of the battle after a little bit she goes this is a very bloody way to set a foundation for peace so she does start questioning it there and again it makes you wonder who Noin would be if she wasn't in this situation poor old Noin. I I do kind of like her I do kind of feel for her I don't understand her I don't think I'd ever be her but um I do feel for her so that's it. I apologise this episode is kind of muddled and there are no good or clear answers other than that what has been retroactively added into the canon. Um, the episode itself doesn't clarify incredibly well what is going on. However, as Trace puts it, the curtain has raised for a new chapter and effectively one man has tipped the whole world over into war and he must have been working on this for months and he's succeeded. And I think I'm going to quote something which I think Lithley wrote in possibly the fanfic Salt, which was that Trey's whole motivation is that he wants to rub humanity's nose in the mess they've made on the carpet and it's always stuck with me because that just seems like the only summary of what he's doing that makes sense to me Um, I will keep watching, obviously Uh, hopefully episode 8 will make up for how boring this episode was and hopefully give us something else to sink our teeth into really Um, in what the hell Trace is doing. I have hardly talked about his character or how he talks because there's nothing that really stands out or makes sense or is telling. He's polite when he needs to be and he's just farts around with birds mostly. I think... The problem with Trace and the problem with this series is that the antagonist, they wanted an antagonist that was like Shah Nabal, who was sort of sympathetic but they could come over to one side or the other or die heroically and get a redemption and whatever, but they also needed an enemy enemy and they wanted him to be not gross. They wanted to be this sort of suave and sexy kind of character um, charismatic when they've got some quite chunky personalities who just kind of like stomp around being like, ugh uh, uh, teenage grunt. Uh. Oh, yeah. Troa, by the way, still looks like someone's pissed in his cereal. I am looking forward to him cheering the fuck up. So that's it. That's episode seven. Um, we have finished with the vase falling from the table. It's, it's a metaphor for something. The metaphor is war. <laughs> that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with me on this weird and wonderful journey that we're going on. As ever, If you are watching along as well, if you have thoughts, if you have comments, please drop me a line. Uh, My Tumblr is lemontrash.tumblr.com, or you can pineapple me on the website. And I will see you in orbit next time. Bye!